Hi, y'all. I felt like the skeptical topic on this one should have a trigger warning. There's talk of child abuse in the bleach segment, so please skip through to the next one if this is a topic you want to avoid. It starts at 1 minute and 20 seconds in and ends at 5 minutes and 35 seconds. Thank you for listening, but please be advised that I don't just believe shit I hear on podcasts, and you shouldn't either. Be skeptical and confirm information before sharing it. Please also be advised that I do swear and I don't take the time to bleep it out. So listener discretion is advised. Happy Earth Day! If all goes well, this should be out on April 21st. I'm Ruby, and this is episode 59 of Living Through Extinction, a short, to-the-point podcast with science, skepticism, environment, wildlife, and ways we as people can be better for future generations. If you've joined me before, then thank you so much for returning. If this is your first time listening to Living Through Extinction, welcome! I hope you find it both fun and informative. I hate that I have a segment called don't drink bleach, but here we are. Bleach is the weirdest thing that comes up again and again throughout the years as a cure for all sorts of things. Some of you may be reasonable human beings and find yourselves wondering how any scammer could ever convince people to consume bleach, no matter the dosage. That's just too ridiculous, right? How I wish that were so. Did you know that with an Hours of Trump making his comments about drinking or injecting disinfectants, the New York City Poison Control Center received 30 calls about people who had consumed household disinfectants. And it got so bad in Georgia that their Department of Health deemed it necessary to send out an alert warning against drinking bleach, even diluted bleach. In 2015, Carrie Rivera, the mother of an autistic child, started giving them bleach in small amounts throughout the day and claimed there was an improvement. She didn't stop there, though. She started advocating for people to do this to their children at conferences and, of course, sold her own mixtures to those who bought into it. Some of the things she tried and succeeded at convincing other mothers to do? Feeding autistic children bleach until they started showing signs of becoming ill from it continually upping the dose. And fuck, oh my god, I hate this one most of all. She advocated and convinced mothers to give these children bleach enemas. This woman is fucking evil. I don't see how anyone can argue against that. And while she was banned from selling her bleach concoctions or presenting about bleach treatments at conferences in the U.S., she now sells it in Mexico, so people continue to be harmed by her and her bullshit. More recently, before being shut down, anti-vaxxer Jim Humble's Genesis 2 Church of Health and Healing sold tens of thousands of units of their miracle mineral solution, promoting it as an alternative to getting the COVID vaccine. Don't listen to doctors, buy miracle mineral solution, which is basically an industrial bleach. They made a lot of claims, however, not just about COVID. They said that it would treat and or cure MS, autism, most cancers, diabetes, AIDS, hepatitis A, B, and C, malaria, herpes, TB, and more. They also claimed that it has saved hundreds of thousands of lives, which is also bullshit. Now, this part is kind of horrifying. Yes, it's all kind of horrifying, but this part is especially horrifying. There are people who did this, and who did this to their children, 
who took pictures of theirs or their child's excrement to share with people. That's not even the horrifying part, y'all, I'm getting there. What they were taking pictures of were white strings and rope-like things in the stool. These people, and I'm not talking a handful of people, these are entire communities of mothers and alternative health freaks. These people are excited to share because they believe that the white bits are parasites that the bleach solution is killing off, and so they're coming out with a stool. This is what they believe. That's not what it is. Gastroenterologists recognize it immediately. These white strings and rope-like things are bits of intestinal lining. The bleach concoctions are eating away at the person's insides as they travel through the elementary canal. Again, keep in mind that this is often the stool of someone's child we're talking about. You should have a look of absolute horror on your face right now. Shit, I almost cut this whole segment because I wasn't sure I'd actually be able to say a couple of these things out loud. Just don't do it. Not even a drop in a glass of water. Please don't. It can lead to respiratory failure, liver failure, abnormal heart rhythms, and other things which can all potentially lead to death. Don't drink bleach. And for crying out loud, do not ever give it to a child in any way, shape, or form. Fuck these bleach pushers, man. And be skeptical, damn it. Solar canals. India has been building them since 2014. In places where the sun is very hot, precious water in canals is often lost through evaporation. A problem with solar farms is that they take space. Space we need for farmland and space we want to protect as natural habitats. But we need solar farms. And so we have the solar canal solution. Long, thin solar panels follow a path over the water source, shading it from the sun reducing the evaporation, and not taking up any extra farmland or clearing any natural habitats. So the energy from the sun, instead of heating up and evaporating the water, will be absorbed to be used by the panels. How did we not think of this before? California is testing this technique over 4,000 miles of canals that transport water to 35 million Californians and 5.7 million acres of farmland across the state. Their current aging electrical system has been responsible for several fires, so updating is long overdue. It is estimated that the system in California could prevent more than 80,000 acres of farmland and or natural habitats from being converted to solar farms. And it's estimated that more than 65 billion gallons of water could be saved annually. That's enough to irrigate 50,000 acres of farmland or to meet the residential needs of more than 2 million people. On top of that, use of them in India show that they limit the growth of weeds that block and restrict water flows. Normally, California would have to spend money and use herbicides to fight these weeds. So that's less money and a healthier environment for both us and the wildlife. I've always loved deep cave and deep sea creatures. They evolve into beings that look like monsters to our unaccustomed eyes. I'll watch any wildlife doc that shows unusual creatures that evolved in darkness. So I'm going to try to get you to look at a few that I find exceptional in different ways. The following are all creatures of the deep sea. Beginning with the hagfish. It is definitely one of the ones that scares me the most. I mean, come on, it's a fucking intestine with a burrowing mouth on one end. Thankfully, they hang out about 5,500 feet underwater, so I shouldn't ever have the displeasure of seeing one in person. These intestine-looking things have tooth-like structures on the mouth-like end, which they use to burrow into carcasses. Yep, 
everything about these fuckers is horrifying. I feel like I would have some sort of breakdown if I came across one in real life. I get a completely opposite feeling when I look at images of the glass octopus. It has to be one of the most beautiful of the deep sea creatures. It's almost completely transparent with only the eyes, optic nerves, and digestive tracts being opaque and visible through the body. They hang out around 3,000 feet below the surface. I really hope you look up this one because its luminescence makes it quite spectacular to view. It's super duper pretty. And I'm going to finish with something weird. The barrel eye fish. Holy shit, this thing does not look real. I've seen quite a few different pics and videos and the body and tail don't look unusual at all, but its head, <laughs> either its entire head or its forehead will be completely clear. I saw both versions and oh my god, it's just so weird. You have to Google and watch one of these things swimming around because seeing pictures makes one go, fuck off, that is so fake. Seriously, the insides of the fish head are completely visible. It is so wild. So please, Google hagfish, glass octopus, and barrel eye fish. I promise you these are real, living creatures that actually exist. The horrifying, the beautiful, and the very fucking weird. Today I want to talk about universal basic income, and nobody's the boss of me here, so I will. I hear four statements, just four, said in different ways with different wording, but the same four statements are used consistently when bashing UBI. One is, so you just want to give them money for nothing? Another is, nobody will want to work anymore, people are lazy. The third is, they'll just spend it on drugs and alcohol. And finally, this is going to increase my taxes. This segment probably isn't going to be very long because the studies have been and are being done. And again and again, throughout the last 50 years, each of these statements has been shown to be wrong. I feel sad for people who make these assumptions about their fellow human beings. I also can't help but wonder, do you assume everyone is like that because maybe you are like that? Anyway, the data has come in and continues to come in, and it turns out the majority of human beings are better people than you, I guess. So let's take a look at what the actual stats have been in places around the world where UBI and similar experiments have taken place. Oh, and to many of my friends here in Winnipeg, particularly in the podcast community, you're going to be pissed when you hear about the two Canadian ones and why they stopped. Let's leave Canada for the end, though. I have some notes here about an experiment in Stockton, California from February 2019 to February 2020. 125 mid-income individuals were randomly selected to receive $500 per month for two years. There were no strings attached to this. As some people would say, yes, they got money and had no obligation to do anything for it. Who paid for it? Not the taxpayers, as some would say. It was funded by donors and it was called SEED the Stockton Economic Empowerment Demonstration. What were the results? Full-time employment actually rose among these individuals. Does that seem weird to you? It doesn't to me. Some of these people may have been held back simply because of the inability to come up with funds for public transportation or regular access to a vehicle. And that $500 a month could fix that issue for a lot of people. I've lived in the country and I know that there are people who live in places where they're only access to work is to have their own vehicle. There's no access to public transportation, and anywhere where they might work is just way too far away to not drive. If something happens and they suddenly can't afford to fix their one and only car, they can't work, period. 
that $500 a month could give them that extra they need to get the car fixed or get a new used one. The other results of this experiment were that the overall physical and emotional health of these individuals improved. Those that may have never had anything extra to put towards mental health may now be able to take care of that. Those who did not see doctors or dentists previously may now be able to do that as well. And eating healthier. People could use that money to increase their grocery budgets, allowing them to buy healthier foods for them and their families. Brazil has been experimenting with cash transfers to poorer families since the 1990s. Today, it's become a huge program with millions of people benefiting from it. It is not officially UBI, however, as it is conditional. The conditions? You are expected to keep your kids in school and get them to health clinics for regular checkups. I personally don't see anything unreasonable about that. There's a nonprofit organization in Germany called Mein Gutzenkommen, which is my basic income in German. They've been doing this for a while now. In 2014, through crowdfunding, they had their first basic income raffle, and by 2019, 500 people had been chosen from all over the world. They got 1,100 US per month for a year, and even a boost for that short time made a difference in people's lives. 80% said it immediately made them less anxious. More than half said it enabled them to continue their education, which should totally be encouraged. And 35% said that they now felt more motivated to work, like they were actually working for something now. It's amazing how our mentality towards all sorts of things can change when financial stresses are relaxed a bit. The same nonprofit funded a new experiment in August of 2020. It was made up of 140,000 private donors. This one is being conducted by the German Institute for Economic Research. People are getting 1,200 euros per month, or 1,430 US, for three years. Obviously, this one is still ongoing. The participants are going to fill out questionnaires in the end about the way in which it may have benefited them, particularly in the areas of well-being, home life, and work life. The best part about this experiment is the answers will be compared to a control group of 1,380 people who are not receiving any basic income. Shit, it would kind of suck to be in the control group on this one, though. Spain also had control groups, though not as rigorous. In 2017, they began the B Mincome experiment. 1,000 households randomly selected from Barcelona's poorest districts were given up to 1,675 euros or 1,968 US per month. Their control group had 383 households, however. I feel like with 1,000 in the main group, there should have been more than 383 in the control, but whatever, what do I know really? Kenya apparently has the largest and longest UBI experiment yet underway. Alaska gives annual dividends to everyone in the state. They range from 1,000 to 2,000 US dollars depending on that year's oil prices. Other places you can look at where different forms of UBI have been implemented are the Netherlands in 2017, Iran in 2011, Finland in 2017, Namibia in 2008, India in 2011, and China in 2011. And then we come to Canada. I found two here in our country. One went on for five years in the 70s and another went on for three not all that long ago. In the 70s, the Manitoba provincial government and the federal government got together to fund a project called Minecom. They chose Dauphin, Manitoba to be what was referred to as the saturation site. Every family in Dauphin, Manitoba was eligible to sign up and participate. The results here? Both physical and mental health of the residents improved overall. There was a reduction in hospitalization rates. There was an increase in high school graduation rates. This experiment was exceeding all expectations. And then four years in, the conservatives came into power and canceled the whole thing. I know for a fact 
that some of you just made some audible form of exasperation. But there's more. The other one I found in Canada took place in three Ontario cities in 2017. Hamilton, Lindsay, and Thunder Bay. A single person got $16,989 per year, less 50% of any earned income. And a couple got $24,027 per year, less 50% of any earned income. 4,000 low-income people benefited from this program for three years. Then Doug Ford came into power and cancelled it. His reason? He claimed that he heard that it was keeping people from working. He heard this. Politicians shouldn't be allowed to say shit like that without verifying a source. Why are people in power allowed to be so ignorant? The actual stats of the study show otherwise. If it kept anyone from working, it was the bare minimum, and those are the people who would be working the system no matter what. There will always be a few cheaters. Why should they ruin it for all the good, decent, hardworking people out there? People in government should actually have to know what stuff they get their opinions involved in or about. They shouldn't be allowed to make decisions with absolutely no knowledge on a topic. Fuck have we ever devolved politically. Now what about the argument, you just want to give them money for nothing? No, we want everyone, not them, but you and me and everyone else to receive the same basic income required to live. There's no them in this situation, only us. Nobody will want to work anymore. People are inherently lazy. First of all, the stats have shown 100% that that is absolutely not the case for the great majority of people. It won't be that people won't be willing to work anymore. What will be is that people will refuse to work for people who treat them like shit anymore. Right now, people are trapped in shitty situations because they work for complete asshats but have no resources to get away. Second, what about people who legitimately can't work? Why are the legitimately disabled still not entitled to what the government of Canada has stated is the minimum amount of money required to live? I believe they get half of that in Manitoba. Maybe less? Is that right? And finally, taxes. Did you hear the last point under nobody wants to work anymore? Less pressure on many overworked social services. And in every experiment, we saw better health and less pressures on medical services. Instead of thinking about what UBI costs, stop for a minute and think about how much money it would save. They even out, except the option with UBI means happier, healthier, more productive citizens as a whole. UBI is basic. It's in the name. Most people want more than that. UBI would give artists the opportunity to live the simple life and provide us all with the things that give our lives joy. While people like me, who want a bit more, would still have the choice to work for those extras. Those of us who want to be able to have big birthdays and Christmases for our kids, or take them on weekend adventures, we will still want to work our asses off in order to be able to do that, in order to be able to give these things to our families. People who want computers in their homes, or cell phones on their person, or video games, or Harley Quinn figures. The fact of the matter is, most people are ready and willing to work, even with a basic income, because they want to give themselves and their families something extra. And then there's always the possibility of a tragedy. Simple, unexpected tragedies could make a person lose everything, and UBI could really help stop that. A child is sick and you can't work anymore. Maybe you'd be okay, but this would bankrupt so many people. We all just went through shutdowns that put some middle-income people out of work for over a year. Some of those people lost everything. 
Just because you and your friends and family were fine doesn't mean it was that way for everyone. And guess what? If we had had the guaranteed universal basic income in place when COVID went down, the great majority of these people would have been fine. Exceptions would have been those with exceptionally high debt and monthly interest rates. Those individuals may have ended up still having to claim bankruptcy, but thousands of others would have been saved just because you didn't need it. Why deny it to them? The studies have shown that this money would be used to cover things like caring for aging relatives, school and sports supplies, and transportation to and from doctor appointments. The studies have shown reductions in crime, improvement in school attendance, and less pressure on many overworked social services. Do they spend it on drugs and alcohol? There will always be some. But why do you let the bad apples blind you to the whole of the community? Whatever the critique, the truth of the matter is that the evidence doesn't support it. Stop thinking the worst of people. It appears that another person has been cured of HIV. I say appeared because researchers are continuing to monitor them in case there's a change. Each of these individuals was cured with the use of stem cells. The first two, who were men, had bone marrow transplants from people who had a genetic mutation that blocks HIV infections. Yes, there are people who are naturally immune to HIV. This is something we've known about for many years. Both men continue to be HIV free. For this latest person, who is a woman, they instead used umbilical cord blood from a donor who was naturally resistant to the virus. Both bone marrow and umbilical cord blood contain adult hematopoietic stem cells. These are a type of stem cell which can develop into all types of blood cells that support the immune system. When I was reading different articles about this, I came across one comment that said using umbilical cord blood in this way is too risky to be suitable for most people with HIV. I couldn't find any explanation as to why that might be, though, and I wasn't able to confirm it in any way. From what I can tell, using cord blood over bone marrow seems to be the better choice by far. It's less invasive and more widely available, and donors don't need to be matched as closely as bone marrow donors need to be. While I didn't donate cord blood, I did bank some in case my kids get sick in the future and it can be used to save them. My dad's side of the family is ripe with blood and bone cancers, so it seemed like a good idea. The unfortunate part about this story is that it's not a treatment that AIDS patients can ask for yet. There are studies going on, but right now it's only available to those with aggressive cancers. Each of these three people who were cured of AIDS were fighting cancer when they received these treatments. The treatments were done for the purpose of saving their lives from the cancer, but donors were chosen with specific genetic makeups that were AIDS resistant to see if it might make a difference there as well. And in these three cases, it did. Thank you for listening. May your health and sanity be replenished daily. Thank you to Jason Martin for composing the intro outro for the show. And thank you to Kathy Rayner and Paul Palmer for the musical contributions on the violin and guitar. I hope you will join me again in two weeks for episode 60 of Living Through Extinction. If you enjoyed Living Through Extinction and would like to support the show, the best ways to do so are to subscribe and rate and to comment and like positive comments on your favorite podcast player. Or you can help out by following, liking, and sharing on all the social medias. The show can be found under Living Through Extinction on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and TikTok, and under LTE Pod on Twitter. There is also a Patreon, but I found out that people couldn't find it, so the link for it has been added to my social media pages. There you can earn stickers, pins, masks, and more, as well as help me to plant some trees. If you have any comments, corrections, questions, or suggestions, please email them to livingthroughextinction at gmail.com. Governor of 
Missouri declared a state of emergency. Very serious situation here in Hawaii. Earlier this evening, the uh, civil defense calling for an evacuation of all low-lying areas because of a tsunami threat. The sky turns black as giant tornadoes touch down from Nebraska to Texas. Apocalyptic scenes as twisters tear.